So we, we certainly want to go through that process where we're asking both to hopefully participate. Um, certainly, there's going to be times where it could be dominated by one spouse, the, the finances, and they ultimately do make the decisions. But we certainly want to encourage both to uh, play a role and even just get their take on what risk means to them. Welcome to the All Things Retirement Podcast with certified financial planner, Anthony Alpha. Here's your host, Ben George. Thanks for tuning in to All Things Retirement. I'm Ben George. He's Anthony Alpha, certified financial planner and the founder of Cardinal Wealth Group. He's always taking us through a number of different financial and retirement planning conversations. Today, we are focused on mistakes, mistakes that couples often make with their finances. Anthony, do you ever find yourself playing the role of a therapist? in the office? A little bit, more of a, maybe a mediator trying to okay. find, find compromise and uh, try not to uh, repeat those mistakes at my own house, but I often find myself making lots of mistakes at home too. Yeah, that's fair. That's mediators, maybe a better word for it. But, um, you know, there are going to be times when, and probably more often than not, that couples just don't see eye to eye on finances and, and certain aspects of their financial plan. And today we're going to really identify five key areas that uh, Anthony often sees from from couples and and really talk through how to get on the same page, how to approach those things, and and maybe where to find some common ground and and compromise, which is always a key in relationships. So that's the goal today. We have a couple of mailbag questions as well, which you can send in to us via the website cardinalwg.com. That is Anthony's website and a place where you can get a lot of good resources and listen to all the podcasts. We put them up there as well. How's everything going for you, Anthony? Everything's going. Just great. Uh, looking forward to Halloween. Uh, looks like I'm going to be uh, perhaps a, some type of uh, superhero <laughs> okay. um, with uh, Rosie. So uh, we'll soon uh, be uh, trick-or-treating in, in a, I guess, a couple weeks. What, and, is, uh, what is Rosie? It's a big uh, thing in, uh, in where we're at. It's like the whole town shuts down, big parade, and uh, you know, trick-or-treaters everywhere. So it's, a, it's kind of a, a bigger... Uh, event in our in our town i gotcha what what uh what what does rosie want to be what superhero the uh paul like a uh, paw patrol i don't know if yeah oh. <laughs> many people know that well, one but yeah i do they're <laughs> listening to this maybe, maybe <laughs> if they have grandkids they'll they'll know that or or it could be a, a late dash over to peppa pig so i'm not i'm not sure <laughs> and uh that means i'd be a papa pig so uh, that's not that flattering, I would say. <laughs> You'd rather be I, Paw Patrol, huh? Yeah, I'd definitely <laughs> rather be. I, I, I don't remember the guy's name, but um, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. That's funny. I mean, you say that. I just I just got done with celebrating our uh, daughter's second birthday, and I know she's Olivia's a few months behind or a few months younger than, than Rosie is, but mm-hmm. I'm in the same um, spot with TV. For us, it's a lot of Baby Shark. There's still a lot of Paw Patrol. We got our book bag that she loves mm-hmm. to wear, but um, it's Baby Shark for us, like almost nonstop. I've now seen uh, Toy Story, the movie, I'll say a dozen times, and uh, Cars. She's really into Cars as well. Um, so if we put on the Disney Plus app, it's uh, those two <laughs> basically between the two. So, uh, is yeah, she, is well, she able to sit through those? Oh yeah, okay. And she's a snack girl, like like her dad. Yeah, so yeah. she has no problem sitting on a couch eating snacks and watching and tuning everyone else out. I, there's <laughs> some type of uh, special tractor beam that comes out of that television that speaks to my daughter. Uh, it's it's really crazy. <laughs> 
I got that's that's crazy, man. That um, that they can do that. And it's the same way for me. And I'm gonna have to try to throw on the movies now. We have I, I, I'm ready to shift her out of the stuff we've been watching. It's like driving me nuts. So mm-hmm. if we can move on to Disney, that'd be a, a very positive step. So I'm glad you said that. I'm gonna I'm gonna look into that. Uh, well, we glad everything's going well, and uh, look forward to hearing your Halloween stories uh, once that holiday passes. But we want to get to what we're discussing today on the show, and that's all about uh, the mistakes, the financial mistakes that couples make. And again, we're going to put everything up at cardinalwg.com. There you can also get a free assessment from Anthony as well. There's, you'll see a button on the front page. When you get there, you can you can go ahead and schedule that free assessment. And uh, if you want to call, though, you can always do that at 609 362 Five five one two. All right, so let's let's start off with pensions, um, a spot where couples are on the same page, uh, don't know really how to coordinate that, and that's the the spousal benefit option on the pension. Now, not everybody has a pension, obviously. If you still have one, that's great. You're very fortunate, and that's a great position to be in. But what about that spousal benefit option? Do couples usually disagree on? I would say that uh, typically. The majority of the time, I think that most people are in unison on the, on the, the selection, but there are certainly going to be times where the choice might have, quote unquote, been made already uh, by one spouse, primarily the one that's you know working at the company, and will oftentimes maybe in, in, that, in this case say, I'm going to take the single life option, which basically just says if something happens to that spouse, the um, living spouse uh, will not receive any more of that pension. And that's one of the reasons why people would choose their survivorship option where the surviving spouse would get something. And I would say that sometimes the one spouse will say, I just want to take the single life because it's a higher payout and uh, not really that worried about uh, if something happens to me or they're not really thinking thinking it through perhaps. So it's certainly something that can be easily taking into context by just putting it into an analysis and playing it out, right? There's the the happy, most likely story of living a long life uh, throughout retirement. And then there's the basically what happens if something happens to you tomorrow type of situation. And that's where you just want to make sure that the surviving spouse has uh, a plan for that. If, if something like that were to happen. Sometimes people will look at like a, a life insurance product, or maybe sometimes they already have enough income streams that is the other spouse on their own. Maybe they have a, a pension themselves. So you just got to look at it and see to make sure that financially speaking, it makes sense to, to go with that. And, and sometimes the haircut for taking a survivorship payout, which is going to be less than the single life, is not that bad. Um, I do have a story not it's actually a family story i wasn't involved but basically they um were successful retired young in their maybe late 50 yeah late 50s had a uh opportunity to take the single life or the survivorship pension ended up taking the single life it was a pension that paid six digits so it's um a really good one for that uh ultimately the spouse decided to they did fund a life insurance policy in case something were to happen to them so that the life insurance proceeds would take care of the surviving spouse. Uh, but after about 10 years into it, into the mid-60s, he decided to cancel the life insurance policy. And unfortunately, a couple years later, was diagnosed with a severe case of ALS, uh, Luke, Luke Eric's disease, and passed away. So um, just really a story to just to kind of say why it's important to communicate the the 
surviving spouse didn't know about the life insurance being canceled, um, you know, until it was already too late. And so that's why it's, you know, certainly important to make these financial decisions. There's nothing wrong with taking a single life. It's just a matter of going through a process where everyone's on the same page. Always important to be on the same page. Thanks for sharing that story as well. Um, how about Social Security? The claiming strategy that the couples decide to use, what about this is important to, to really factor in uh, to work with your spouse on this? I know a lot of people might just kind of say, hey, I'm going to take it when I can get it as soon as I can. But why is it important to be coordinating this with your spouse? Certainly a lot more common type of a topic, right? Because I would say most most don't have a pension, maybe about a third or so might have that, maybe a little bit more. But with Social Security, it's oftentimes one of those topics that there's a part of, we'll say 50%, maybe a little bit better, that already set, you know, exactly when they're going to take it. Really don't want to deviate from the strategy at all, no matter what, like, the financials are around it. You know, a married couple, when you incorporate all the days and months and whatnot, there's like 500 different combinations that they could have apply for it. And and not that you're going to go through that many iterations, you're probably going to narrow it down to three or four to try, you know, some different, different timing and look at the pros and cons. And then you have maybe the other half 40% or so that are open to saying, well, you're the expert, you, you tell me when I should take it. So I would say some of the, the, the common mistakes are really not running the different scenarios and the different trade offs between social security timing strategies. There can be hundreds of thousands of dollars at stake when you span this over 30 years as, and, and when you're talking to individuals' lives. So the, the trade-off between choosing one option versus another can, can really be a lot of money over time for sure. So it, it, I think it makes sense to spend a little bit of time. There's nothing wrong if you say, you know what, I, I get that, but I just want to take it sooner. But I, I think it's just really go through the process and kind of Go on that educational journey to find out what makes the most sense to you from a financial standpoint, but also from you know an emotional standpoint. A lot of folks will say along the lines of, I just want to start it. I don't know how long I'm going to live for. You know, I want to get it before mine runs out, like Social Security will run out. But I, I think looking at it in, in that vacuum sense where you're not incorporating other things like your spouse's benefit whether it's working or if she's he or she's getting 50% of the working spouse social security. Looking at your other assets like your retirement savings, 401k, IRA, and, and taxable accounts, there's a lot of opportunity from a tax planning standpoint that you could incorporate into this and also increase your guaranteed income streams because in some cases, mathematically, it makes sense to delay your social security and you, you get a bump every year that you delay it. So there's there's a lot of different good planning opportunity around it. And I would say not coordinating between the spousal benefit. And if you're even if you're not married, just not coordinating at all with the other income sources are one of the most common mistakes we see. Okay. And I, I want to kind of continue along the same lines. I'm going to bounce around a little bit on our list, but um, along the same lines of, of coordinating social security, what about 401ks and IRAs? Because I never really think about Hey, I need to sit down with my wife and really kind of plan out what we're invested in because, you know, like like us, I think a lot of people kind of already have these accounts in place and they've already started funding them and contributing to them before they've gotten married and and, and started that relationship. So, uh, why why is it so important that you coordinate this side of things? Absolutely right. So you can you can have people who married 
that have totally separate, obviously, 401ks and IRAs that have never really looked at it on, in the lens of together. Uh, even if they've been married for, for 20 years or they've been married for 10 days, you, it, you oftentimes will see that they have never really looked at it and like, oh, that's his and this is hers. And I've never really, I think she has about that much. or I think he's got about this going on. I think it's aggressive. I think so. It's it's very, I mean, we just had somebody come in last, last week that really thought the husband's uh, account was safe. And it was the opposite of safe. That, that doesn't mean that there's, it was just more of an, um, more of aggressive allocation, like an 80 20. She just didn't really, was just really unaware. And hmm. um, so it's not uncommon. So I think the best way to really go about it is to bring those assets together under one lens just to make sure. And you can still have them separate in your mind or in your plan for whatever reason. A lot of times people get married a second or even a third time but kind of want to keep it separate. The beneficiaries are going to be the respective families, kids before that. So that's, it's not really uncommon from that, that lens. But I think if you're going to live retirement together and pay for it together, you should kind of bring it all in together. And the same thing happens with 401ks uh, within one person, right? They, they have maybe a Roth or just a traditional IRA that has one, one strategy. And then the 401k has something else going on and they don't always see what type of overlap that there might exist or overweightings or underweightings that might exist that could increase their uh, risk and volatility without them even knowing. So not difficult things to do just to bring it all in together with some statements and look at it under some financial planning software to really understand how they work together, coexist, or should they be simplified into one strategy. Yeah. And I want to talk about the risk side of things a little bit more, you know, not knowing maybe what, how much risk your, your spouse has taken on, or, you know, there's always a lot of times one side of the, the relationship doesn't have an interest in the finances or doesn't want to play a part or just, Hey, you take care of it. I trust you to do it. But how much does risk kind of create um, some friction in the relationship? Because I would assume a lot of couples don't see eye to eye on that. One feel, feels really comfortable taking on a lot of risk while the other is very conservative. Yeah, I think in general, when it comes to money and risk, right, I think a lot of these things are inherent almost in a way that you're that you're born and brought up over time. So it, needless to say that it can be uh, a typical situation for uh, both spouses to have a totally different view on money and, and for that matter, risk tolerance. So we, we certainly want to go through that process where we're asking both to hopefully participate. Um, certainly, there's going to be times where it could be dominated by one spouse, the, the finances, and they ultimately do make the decisions. But we certainly want to encourage both to um, play a role and even just get their take on what risk means to them. And there's some call it a interactive software that's you know, better than I think the past 10, 15 years, taking a typical risk tolerance that now today they're putting the dollars and cents associated with the risk in terms of how much you could lose in terms of dollars and not percentages. And it being more interactive, I think it makes it easier for everyone to conceptually understand what they're okay with. And just going through that process with both spouses, they could be on the same page and they can also be on two, two totally different wavelengths when it comes to risk. And that's okay. You can find ways to make it work for both. Sometimes it's a compromise of finding something in between. Sometimes it might be what the financial plans needs are, right? So your risk mm -hmm. tolerance is one thing, but your 
the rate of return that your financial plan needs in order to continue your lifestyle could be another. And and when they find out that maybe it's a more conservative rate of return that's needed versus the risk tolerance, it might be easier to to um, for that risk taker to bring it down a notch or two, knowing that they don't need that you know seven percent to be successful. Uh, sometimes it might just be saying to take one uh, like a bucket approach and and having some money that's more growth oriented, some that's a little bit maybe more moderate, and some that's a little bit more conservative. It can work really well for. Uh, as a compromise for for people, so there's there's different ways to go about it. You, you know, if you've been together for twenty years or thirty years. Compromising has got to be nothing new, so it's something that can generally be worked out and just through an educational journey. Yeah, compromise. We all have to do it. It's an important part of a healthy relationship. Um, one more thing I wanted to to mention here on this this topic is kind of outside of finance a little bit, but it still falls into that realm because. Obviously, we're talking about retirement planning, but couples that haven't really spent a lot of time discussing what they want to do when they retire, that can often be a mistake because you might have completely different ideas. And then that also translates to how you're going to afford and what kind of expenses and income you're going to need. All that stuff weighs into it. Yeah. I, one of the questions that we ask is, you know, what are you retiring to? Right. What does that look like? Um, you know, certainly... I know that there's the financial aspects or are we going to be okay? Are we going to run out of money? That type of thing. But there's the, you know, what, what is the next chapter bringing you? And it's certainly easy for me to say like, yeah, plan ahead, right? I, it's easy to say that, but you know, life is uh, unique for everybody. And, and sometimes it's hard to really visualize until you're actually there. Um, sometimes, you know, what, you're doing on a day to day and the amount of time you get with one another, it's, it's hard to put, formulate this all into words. So I, I mean, we totally understand. And, but we try to help out with some life planning questions in terms of, you know, what, you know, if you had money, all the money in the world, what, what would you want to spend your time doing? Um, if you didn't have that much time left on earth, you know, what do you want to spend it doing? And just to kind of provoke some of these types of questions and might not be, especially for a newer client, the the first thing that they want to talk about with us, because they might just want to be more about the financial analysis part. But think over time, if you're going to involve or think about your legacy or how you want to go about uh, maybe teaching your kids or grandchildren and, and being remembered, these things start to become more important once you can get beyond the fact of like, hey, we're going to be all right now. Like, how do we how do we enjoy it? So to your point, certainly easier to do it ahead of time and along the way. And some people do a fantastic job already having a bucket list of exactly knowing all this stuff. But I I think it's kind of an evolving road overall for most people. Yeah, it's an evolving road for sure. The, The retirement planning process always is, and it's why you want to lean on an advisor or a certified financial planner like Anthony Alpha to uh, to help you along the way. And, you know, if you aren't on the same page on some of these things, you know, set up a, a time to sit down and meet with Anthony and talk through some of these and, and get to that compromise and make sure you have a plan for all these things and make sure your money's working together to give you the best benefit and put you in the best position possible for retirement. All right, time for a couple of mailbag questions before we close out today's episode of All Things Retirement. First one is from Colleen today, Anthony. She says, I'm probably not what you consider a very savvy investor. I've always saved a lot for the last 35 years and I have a pretty big 401k balance, but I have really have no idea how I should be investing my current dollars or my future savings. 
Have I significantly handicapped myself by not having more knowledge about how the investing world works? Uh, that's a great question, Colleen. But I, I'd say maybe it's worked to your benefit, knowing that you saved up a pretty big 401k balance. So that's kind of step number one is that you got to save money. And so sounds like you did that. Um, so I, I wouldn't be too stressed out about it. If you feel like you need help, get some help. Just you get a sense of how you're doing, how it's been working. And if you think that you need to work with somebody long term, uh, go through a process to find the right advisor for you. You can certainly Google or go to CFP uh, board, Certified Financial Planner board, where you can look up a uh, certified financial planner in your area. And that will maybe be a good starting place. There's other types of search engine um, places like on Google where it's like, you know, fee only planner and you can search it by your area code if you want it to be somebody close to you and, you know, pull up a list of maybe three or four and go through that interview process. Look, I think it's a similar thing. Like, I don't know how my air conditioning unit works or the electricity actually goes through my house. And if there's an issue, I, you know, ultimately have to reach out and hire somebody and I'll never understand how the AC unit works because I won't take the time to do it, but I know I need the, the help. So I think getting help with your finances is, is no, is no different. Absolutely. Thanks for that question, Colleen. Uh, we got one for Brad as well. He says they recently announced at work that our 401ks are now going to have a Roth option. Should I put my future savings in that instead of the traditional 401k? Yeah, Brad, that's certainly a, a popular question that's being posed today for sure. Having the Ross being added into most people's 401ks as an alternative option is a great thing. And I think in terms of figuring out if it's the right fit for you, just really comes down to some of the financial planning questions in terms of where you're at today with your income sources and tax rates and where maybe you will potentially be in the future. Sometimes, depending on your age, it's, it's hard to really know that, um, especially if you're younger versus somebody who's um, you know a little bit later on in their career, closer to retirement. So I would at least go through the exercise of understanding where I'm at today as a household taxation standpoint, where you expect to be in the future, and if it's going to be potentially higher, uh, maybe that does make some sense then to consider the Roth. If it's going to be lower, uh, maybe because you're retiring soon and your income's going to drop, then that might not make sense to put it in the Roth and it might just make sense to wait until you actually retire. And then for some people, it's just overall concern or a passion to want to basically know how much that they have and they like the option of the Roth because you paid your taxes and you know how much is yours. And or they might be concerned about the future um, potential for tax taxes to rise in the future. So sometimes that has people maybe hedging their bet and putting some money in a Roth, um, even when they're in a little bit higher tax bracket. So it really just depends. Uh, the other thing I would really look at is, is it going to be the difference between the 22 and 24% bracket, which are really close? Or are you going to be flirting, you know, going from the 12% bracket to the 22%? So I would be looking at where it is now and, and the effects of contributing or where your income might be in the future. Because going from, say, the 12% bracket to the 22 is a pretty big jump, and you want to be aware of that. And same thing going from the 24 um, to the 32% bracket is also another jump that you're going to want to watch out for. So that, that's kind of how I would go about it through a, a planning process. 
All right, perfect. Thank you for that question. Thank you both for those questions. And if you have something on your mind that you'd like to ask Anthony here on All Things Retirement, you can send it in to us via the website cardinalwg.com. There you'll also find a button where you can go ahead and get your free assessment. So go ahead and take advantage of that now. We'll put this podcast up there as well so you can go back and listen to it or any of the past shows that we have done. And if you want to call Anthony, the best way to do that is 609-362-5512. Anthony, appreciate the time as always and uh, looking forward to the Halloween and all the holidays coming up, man. Hope you're able to enjoy it with the family. Thanks. You too, Ben. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.